There's something beautiful deep inside Formula One. Underneath the silicon chips and the social media campaigns. Beneath the layers of racing budgets and television rights. It's carnal and savage nature is disguised in ingenuity and grace. An improvised dance, perfection of movement, the mind instantaneously navigates the intensity of chaos, the ever-changing effects of physics pooled into the effigies of man and machine. Who are the racers to mesmerize your senses, to make the tips of the hairs on your arms tingle as your heart twists inside your body? The racer who could take the rain and make a machine forget the track was slick, or the driver who can turn off their fears to bring the car right to the edge what was possible. Then, take it a little further. Then when you figured you've seen that one truly special driver, another one takes the grid right beside them, and a supernova happens right there, in front of your eyes, as two stars dance around each other until, after a fiery light, it's over. The early years of Grand Prix racing was a collection of mechanical wonders racing on the roads of the world as spectacles piloted by men of class and wealth. In 1931, the cars were brought under a set of rules called a formula, and the European Driving Championship took shape to allow Italians racing Alfa Romeos to brag that they were the fastest racers in the world. This pissed off a little Austrian man who forced the German domination of the sport until the same little Austrian man decided it would be better to focus his efforts on world domination instead. The dust settled. The world could finally get back to racing cars, as intended. Grand Prix organizers came together in 1947 to create the FIA. Create a set of rules that are known as Formula One. After a few years of dragging manufacturers and event organizers into sync, Formula One World Championship was introduced. The 1950 season would begin with the British Grand Prix that would allow Alfa Romeo to dust off their pre-war 158 Alfetta, a track-eating machine that prior to the official Formula One season won 37 of the 41 races it entered. Behind the wheel of the Alfa was the legendary Giuseppe Farina, and in front of King George won the debut world championship race. There was another driver in an Alfetta that brought the fight to Farina right up until a broken oil line left him walking back to the pits to watch three other Alpha drivers take the podium. That driver was called Juan Manuel Longio. The second race of the season was at Monaco, where Fangio would easily qualify in pole position, Farina right by his side. Also during that race, 
a new startup team called Scuderia Ferrari would be up on the third row. The race started dicey with Farina passing Fangio. Then, on the infamous Tabak corner, Farina spun on a bunch of seawater that nobody in the world can figure out how actually got on the track and has never since gotten on the track. The crash took out nearly the entire field. The Ferraris got through and began their chase to catch Fangio, who, after nudging a few cars out of the way, took a commanding lead over the field. The Ferrari of Villarisi put down the fastest lap and even started cutting in the one-lap lead Fangio held over the rest of the field until Villarisi stalled his car. This led to an easy win for Fangio and Alberto Ascari, Scuderia Ferrari, coming in second, a lap back. While the Alfa Romeos of Fangio and Farina took to the ring with mechanicals plaguing each other between victories, the Ferraris of Viorisi and Ascari would find themselves breaking down for most of the season. Until Monza, out of nowhere, Ascari found his pace. Before the Tifosi painted grandstands red, Monza was the home of Alfa Romeo who were the undisputed champions of building race cars. This wouldn't put off the old man who decided that his cars would sound much better with a new 4-liter V12 in them. This was all Ascari needed, and with all the Alpha drivers in contention for the championship, Ascari was untethered to show what the new Ferrari could do. The cars lined up on the morning of the race. Bongio the favorite on pole position, needing a first or second to lock up the title. Alberto Ascari lined up behind him, separating Fangio from his teammates, who were in contention for the title as well. The starting flag dropped, and the roar of the monster V12 shattered the tranquil morning all the way to Milan. Fangio and Ascari roared away in front of the pack. The two drivers tested each other. Skinny tires screamed as the cars floated around the corners just inches away from hay bales that lined the track. Candle burned at both ends as the pace increased when Ascari took the lead from Fangio, showing the world that the Alfetas weren't invincible. This only lasted a few laps as Ascari needed to pit with his engine overheated. The mechanics at the pit tried to cool it down, but it was no use. The car would have to be retired. The pace didn't do any good for Fangio either. Just two laps later, Fangio's transmission gave out, and he also retired from the race. This left the race wide open for Farina to take the win and the first ever Formula One World Championship. The 1950 season was dominated by Alfa Romeo, winning every race of the championship outside the Indy 500. Each one of the races either won by Giuseppe Farina or Juan Manuel Fangio. Italy did show there was another driver in another car that could tangle with Fangio in his Alfa. 
Before the start of the 1951 season, there were the typical string of Grand Prix that were prestige races before the official points championship started in Switzerland. These would seem like an unassuming backdrop as there was no Fangio or Ascari on the podiums, but under the massively large Christmas decorations draped over the Ferrari driver Vialrisi were the lap times. The next race in San Remo confirmed all suspicions about Ascari. Ascari hit a grand slam, winning the race from pole position and setting the fastest lap in the process. Only problem was, there were no Alfa Romeos on the line, and Fangio still back living his best life in Argentina. A few weeks later, the Alphas arrived at the BRDC International Trophy Grand Prix in Silverstone with Fangio and Farina at the helm. Being the complete asshole that he was known to be, Enzo decided not to bring his Ferraris to Silverstone, keeping Violrisi and Ascari at home. Either because he wanted to build anticipation or bathe in winter's champagne a little while longer, we will never know. In a different format than the other races, BRDC would be similar to a supercross race. Two 15-lap qualifying heat races and a final six-lap sprint race for the overall victory. Fangio would win the first heat race, while Farina would win the second. Enzo Ferrari would still get the last laugh, though, as a British driver named Reg Parnell would win in an old Ferrari 125 Tipo equipped with the 375s 4.5-liter V12. The first championship race would be the Swiss Grand Prix in Bern. The ferocious circuit was a high-speed nightmare that tore through the dense forests. Track surface changed throughout the track. And, because it was originally built for two-wheeled machines, it was narrow. Fangio had something to prove after the 1950 season and pushed for the pole position two seconds faster than Farina. To liven things up for the fans, Mother Nature decided to dump rain on the course for race day. The cars rumbled at the starting line. Every explosion in every cylinder echoed off the ancient forest that surrounded the small patch of pavement that was to be the proving grounds. The flag dropped, and the tires spun the water out from under them, trying to dig into the asphalt below creating a torrent of water for the drivers who found themselves off the front. A few laps in, it was clear that Fangio and Farina would continue their battle from the 1950 season. The intuition of Fangio outplayed the experience of Farina. As the rain started to lift, Fangio went in for a tire change. The other alphas stayed out as the track still had a significant amount of water layered on it. The only other car to take the same approach that lap was the Ferrari of Piero Arrufi. Two came out from behind the leaders with an unstoppable pace, and Fangio finished with a grand slam. Arrufi, second, and Farina, third. Scari sat just off pace, back in sixth place. The next race would be at the legendary Spa Francorchamps, which would be the third race of the championship season. Because for some reason, 
the Europeans did never want to race the Indy 500, and it was unthinkable to see a Curtis craft on a European circuit. At qualifying, theme had formed around Fangio as he secured a pole position with a lap time three seconds faster than Farina. Fangio didn't come off as dominant. The start of the Grand Prix, Violrisi. As Violrisi snapped off the line to the front, Fangio slipped behind Farina and Ascari as well before the race fell into a rhythm. Farina would quickly take back the front of the race, and soon Fangio would also find his way past the Ferraris, who was teammate in the lead. A few laps later, Fangio took the lead, and with control of the race, went in for a standard pit stop. Fangio was racing on new lightweight prototype wheels, which got stuck on the car during his pit stop. An excruciating 14 minutes passed as the mechanics finally were able to swap the wheels and get Fangio back on the track. The race would settle into a long, drawn-out finish, with Farina taking the victory and Ascari coming in second. Fangio would finish the race at the back of the pack, but for good measure, set the fastest lap to let the other racers know it was luck that kept him from victory. Another high-speed track would follow Belgium, this time at the European Grand Prix in Rheims. Standard grid would play out in what we can expect with a Fangio on pole, Arena behind him, then the Ferraris of Ascari and Violrisi. The sun was out in full force the morning of the race, and as the cars tore off the line, a fine layer of champagne's dust rose off the track. Ascari snapped off the line, the quickest passing Fangio for the lead. Ascari would lead Fangio as they tore down the long straights through the grassy fields. The track would slowly wear down Ascari's car, the hard-breaking turns practically in the living room, the only farm home in miles. The hard downshifts would grind away the internals of Ascari's gearbox and force him to retire the car. Fangio wouldn't last long either, as his car began to overheat in the chase to pass Ascari. And he brought his car in as well. Farina, after a horrible start that put him back into 11th place, had worked his way to the front of the race with Argentinian Jose Froilan Gonzalez inching his way closer lap by lap. Member of the pre-war old guard, Luigi Fagioli, also had worked his way up into third and was hungry to taste the Grand Prix victory again. Marina's Alpha began to have its own problem soon after, allowing Gonzalez to take the lead, Fagioli moving into second. During the next pit stop, Gonzalez handed his car to Ascari, as he wasn't in the championship points contention. Just behind, Alpha had forced Fagioli to swap cars with Fangio, putting Fagioli in the worn-down Alfetta that was supposed to be retired. Fagioli reluctantly got into the beat-up old car and finished 22 laps behind, then quit Formula One on the spot. Ascari came out of the pits in the lead with Fangio behind him. The duel 
continued as the long day rolled on. Fangio would make his move on Ascari as the track had finally pushed the Ferrari's brakes to the limit. He would finish the race first, the Scarly nearly a minute back, but the only two cars to finish full length of the race, which would be the longest non-oval Formula One race in history at 374 miles. In Silverstone, a tear in the space-time continuum occurred as Gonzalez in his Ferrari took position over Fangio. The two Argentinians darted off the line side by side, but would be taken by the Alfeda of Bonetto. Gonzalez would have none second-place nonsense and pass Bonetto back nearly as quickly as he got past. Farina also felt he didn't belong mid-pack and worked his way past everyone until he got on the wheel of Fangio, where they would pass Bonetto together and bring the fight to Gonzalez. By the tenth lap, Angio managed to pass Gonzalez. Strong men would race in the front, while the cars further back started to break down. Soon, Ascari, who was keeping pace with the BRMs, lost his gearbox and retired. Arena, running third place, would also run his car hard enough that it decided it would be easier to just explode into flames than to keep up the pace. Unfortunately for Fangio, who had built a significant lead over Gonzalez, had terrible gas mileage and needed to refill, allowing Gonzalez to get by and finish the race, making him the first driver of the first Ferrari for win Formula One Grand Prix. Nordschleife, the longest, brutal race course awaited the racers after its five-year punishment for being in the wrong place at the wrong time was served. The Ferraris of Ascari and Gonzalez took the front row with the power of the big V12s on the long straights. They were naturally parked side by side with Fangio and Farina in third and fourth. The quick-starting Alfetta shot Farina into first place off the start with Fangio also pulling ahead of Ascari. The cars tore along the 14-mile course. Spectators hung from the trees and crowded along the entirety of the racetrack. The long, fast course began to take its toll on the Alphas and the lead as the heat built up in the cars. On the eighth lap, Farina's pace finally caught up with him and his car overheated and put him out of the race. Soon after, two other Alphas fell out of the race, but not Fangio. Fangio kept getting quicker. The nimble Alpha stuck to the carousel in a perfect low and sleek stance and danced on the edge of the corners. Fangio's fastest lap came disaster as he lost his first and second gear. Scari and his Ferrari was always quick to take advantage, and in a contradicting beauty, powered over the turns and led Ascari to his first win in a Ferrari, and, outside of the Indy 500, the first non-Argentinian winner of the 1951 championship season. The important Italian Grand Prix in Monza was next on the calendar, and in typical fashion, Angio, Farina, Ascari, and Gonzalez filled the front row. Off the line, Angio, Farina, and Ascari roared three wide into the first corner. The newly upgraded Alfa Romeo engines matching the power of the Ferrari. 
It didn't take long for Fonjo to create a gap between himself and Ascari. His relaxed style of racing, keeping his car healthy while Farina blew up his engine. Regardless of his relaxed driving, his pace still took its toll as he tore up a tire. Consistent Ascari held his pace, and while the Alphas were fastest, mechanical failures and poor pit stops led to Ascari's second victory of the season. The championship had come down to the last race in Barcelona. Banjo had 27 points, to Ascari's 25. The front row was again lined with Fangio, Scari, Farina, and Gonzalez. Two Alphas, two Ferraris, two Italians, and two Argentinians. Tense anticipation flooded the pits. Drivers put out a cool confidence while their crews looked for any way to give them an advantage. Their eyes don't lie. The pressure was building. Cars rolled out the starting line. Starting flag was raised. Motors revved up. The flag dropped. Clutches popped, and the monster V12s unleashed their fury. Scari hurried to the front of the race with Gonzalez behind him. He pushed the pace around the hard, tight corners, but Fangio was gaining little by little on each straight. Passing Gonzalez on the second lap, by the fourth lap, Fangio had overtaken Ascari. The slick city streets and sharp corners had already started to tear up the racers' tires. The Ferraris, even more so. While trying to get an advantage over Alfa Romeo, Ferrari fitted 16-inch rear wheels to their cars instead of the normal 18er. This made for quick acceleration out of the tight corners. It's also meant less rubber, and by the eighth lap, Scari's tires were toast, and he came in for a pit stop. While Fangio floated effortlessly all the way to the front, Marina and Violrisi and others would become victims to the harsh roads. Grip would disappear in an instant, and in a screeching wail would be spinning. All others struggled, Fangio sailed to a victory and the world championship. Gonzalez would drive to conserve his tires and finish second, Marina third, and Ascari rolled in two laps later in fourth. Rule changes moving the Formula 2 drivetrains left Alfa Romeo in a financial bind as they couldn't afford to develop a car to replace the Alfetta. This left world champion without a ride for the 52 season. And with Ferrari's momentum, Ascari was ready.